Well, hey, today is an exciting day because we are back in the Better series. If you're new, uh, we've been in the series called Better because um, we're in wisdom literature and there's just a number of verses that say one thing is better than another thing. And so for instance, like I think the first week we talked about that uh, wisdom is better than gold. We've talked about God's word. It's better than gold or silver. Uh, Last week we talked about how a poor, wise youth is better than an old king who no longer takes uh, advice. And so uh, just lots of, uh, lots of, and these are all great because I just feel like they're multi-layered and they're really tangible to everyday life. And today is no difference. Today we're talking all about refuge. Uh, and and I, won't, I won't tantalize you. Uh, here's the verse. It's in Psalm 118. And it's verses 8 and 9. This is a really cool psalm. I encourage you this week to just check out the whole thing. There's lots of layers to this psalm. Uh, but here's the 8 and 9. It says, It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. And so uh, kind of a double two for one this week. That's exciting. Uh, and of course, there's such just a simple truth here that it's better to make God your refuge. He's an eternal refuge. He's a refuge that doesn't change. He has authority over every situation. We can put all of our hope, all of our trust in the Lord, uh, and we can trust him in every situation where, where people are, we're just people, you know, and, and people are, are not perfect, and, and people are not uh, forever. We just, we're alive while we, we have breath in our lungs, and then we're not. And so, uh, so our plans and our agendas and our movements, uh, you know, those, those tend to go out with that uh, most of the time. So uh, also, you know, uh, you think about what's the difference between a man and a prince. And uh, I don't know if many of you know a prince. I don't think I've ever met a prince. One time, somebody emailed me, and they said they were a prince, but then... <laughs> There was something about like a Western Union thing, and I, I got the sense he was not really a prince. I think I caught him. So, uh, but you know, we're just talking about somebody there with like power, somebody with money, somebody who is important. You might think about a kingdom or a movement or a government. And you know what? Like that, that's just not where our hope is. That's not where our trust is as believers. Our trust is in the Lord. He is a refuge you can trust. He is a dependable refuge. He is a dependable protector no matter what. And so that is kind of what today is all about. And it's good because everybody needs a refuge. And I'd say, you know what? Everybody has a refuge. Uh, you, you probably have refuges in our lives. And some refuges are better than others. Uh, you know, I think about like years ago as a youth pastor, I lived with a bunch of guys and they were all a few years younger. They all helped with youth group. I was leading worship. They all helped with worship. They all kind of, we sort it was all hands on deck. And uh, but when there was something in the house that was like a disciplinary issue or something like that, I, all of a sudden I wasn't like one of the guys, I was the man. And there was just a lot of pressure with that. And I was really young and, you know, I was in the master bedroom and there was like, it had its own bathroom. Uh, and uh, it just, that like place was kind of a refuge that year. You know, I felt like, you know, I kind of went out and sometimes uh, you just never knew it was going to happen. Uh, we all have refuges in our lives. Uh, maybe it's a special room or a special place for you. Maybe it's something you do. Uh, you know, I'm a runner. I know some people run and work out and ride bikes and hike and do all sorts of things. And, you know, I see a lot of people out there on the trail. I get a sense it's a refuge for people. They can clear the mind. They can be safe out there. They can be away from the waves of life, so to speak. They can be in a refuge. A job 
If your home life is crazy, a job or a class or your friends can be a refuge away from a home. And the inverse can be true too, that, um, you know, home can be a refuge if your job is crazy. A home can be a refuge if your friends are full of drama and immaturity and those things. You go home and you have a refuge. A spouse can be a refuge. Sometimes I have a long day, or there's a lot going on, and I go home and I see Anna, and I just, I know I can trust her. I don't have to be on my guard with her at all, you know, and uh, she's a great refuge. A spouse can be a great refuge. Even just your family, um, it can be a great refuge uh, from sort of the ups and downs of life. A house can be a refuge. Normal balance, normal, like just a, a, a rhythm, that can be a refuge. You know, I remember, you know, years ago when the pandemic was at its height and we were all isolating and they, you know, I remember kind of hearing about uh, people who were just grieving community. They were grieving marketplaces and coffee shops and just places where you saw people in everyday life. And, you know, you take that away and people are in grief because it's a little bit of a refuge. Or if, if you're a person who likes to be up and run and do things and you get sick and then you're stuck, uh, you know, you just realize how much that rhythm is a refuge. It's just a place. It's just a place that makes things feel safe. Not all refuges are good. Food can be a refuge. The older I get, the more I'm like, I don't think food is a good refuge, right? Because uh, you see it more. Uh, especially money can be a refuge. Uh, it is, uh, I think, for a lot of people, easier to go through the ups and downs of lives and relationships. There's a little something in the bank, uh, you know, because at least you're fine. You know, at least you, at least you got it. There's a lot of warnings about that in Scripture. Others, uh, bad refuges. Uh, you know, I was bummed about Aaron Carter, uh, you know, just kind of the, the latest in uh, a number of young celebrities to pass away way too young. Uh, you know, most likely substance abuse and those things, just a lot of medications. And, um, you know, it just, uh, it just grieves me. It's sad to see, but I think those are refuges for a lot of people. Uh, you know, people who misuse things. Uh, they mis- misuse money. You can misuse people. Uh, you can misuse all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things uh, as an attempt to find refuge. And a lot of times when that refuge falls through, uh, you see the wreckage that it leaves behind. So, uh, and, and I think for a lot of people, relationships are refuge too. And again, people are, are not permanent. Uh, we're all finite. We're here for a little bit. Uh, and, uh, and people are not perfect. Uh, you know, we're just, we're just not. Uh, and so, uh, so it's a good question to kind of ask yourself today, what is my refuge? What is the thing I run to when life is kind of nuts and I need a place, somebody or something I trust that I can go to, that I know will shelter me in, in hard times? And, uh, and scripture is absolutely clear, absolutely clear, I didn't say it very clear, uh, Scripture is absolutely clear that there is one refuge that is better than any refuge, and that is just simply the Lord. There are a number of psalms that talk about the Lord as our refuge. And so I kind of want to do a couple things real quick. Number one, just kind of observe a few psalms and what they say about what it's like to have this refuge. What it's like to put your trust in this refuge. The second thing is we'll dive into Psalm 18 just a little bit, 118, just a little bit. Uh, there's a lot to that, so we'll just kind of talk about it a little bit. But first of all, let's just look at some psalms. Uh, and you can see that uh, people who, who take the Lord as their refuge are blessed. Uh, 
So Psalms 5 is interesting because it's kind of a lament. It's sad. There's things going on that are hard, but it ends this way. It says, but let all who take refuge in you rejoice. Let them ever sing for joy and spread your protection over them that those who love your name may exult in you. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as a shield. And so look even though this person is, it has people conspiring against them, they have all these things in their life, look at what it's actually like in, in reality to have the refuge in Lord. Uh, you find that these people have reason to rejoice. I don't know if, if that's been you, where, where you've been in a bad situation and just a number of things are piling up, but you, you just find there's a reason to rejoice, even in the midst of it. There's a reason to sing for joy. There's, there's that idea again that, that we have reason to worship. Worship by the way, is a great way to seek refuge in the Lord. Uh, you know, there's just something about praising and singing to him. Uh, you know, and we find that uh, because he protects us, because he's a refuge, we have reason to exalt in him. We have reason to praise him and, and, and lift him high and magnify him. Uh, he blesses uh, the righteous. Uh, those who seek refuge in the Lord are blessed. It says that uh, in way more than one time that when we seek refuge in the Lord from the waves of life, we're blessed. That is a blessed way of living. Uh, and, and that these people are covered in favor and that uh, the Lord just has a way of doing that. Uh, so the Psalms say that we are invited to place our trust in the Lord. You know, as, as he has called us to himself, uh, there are different ways of handling trials. There are different ways of getting through things, but we're invited to take refuge. Here's what David says in Psalm 34. Oh, taste and see, this is a very famous psalm, that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Uh, this is a verse worth memorizing. It's a verse worth kind of having right there that you can grab onto. Uh, and it's this idea that we experience him. Uh, we, we, we try him, we, we, uh, we absorb him, and we, we are, are with him, and we know what that's like. We know what it's like to trust him and to be led through a trial. We know what it's like to see him provide. We know what it's like to see him work out a situation for the good. And there was no other way, but, but he worked out a way. And, and it's funny, because once you trust him once with something like that, it's like it starts setting uh, a pattern. Right? And it's easier to go back to him, and you, you know you can trust him. You know he's a reliable refuge. Uh, uh, he's a refuge that answers us. And he's not like a room or a bunker or, you know, something that's, uh, you know, not, not personal. Uh, Psalm 17 says, I call upon you, for you will answer me. Oh God, incline your ear to me. Hear my words. Wondrously show your steadfast love, O Savior, of those who seek refuge from their adversaries at your right hand. You know, like that this is a, a person who goes to the Lord and they're answered. The Lord listens. Reminded of a, a verse that reminds us to cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for us. Now that's the type of refuge that we have in the Lord is a personal refuge. He hears, he sees, he understands, he empathizes. So we're never alone uh, in his refuge. And we're warned. We're warned not to make other things our refuge. Uh, Psalm 146 says, put your trust not in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. And on that very day, his plans perish. So there's kind of this warning that, that life is short uh, and, and we don't 
control our future. Uh, there is one who controls the future, uh, and that's the Lord. So he is a worthy refuge. He doesn't change. Uh, he's the same yesterday and today and forever. And so he is worthy of our trust. We, he's a, he is a sure refuge, not just today, not just yesterday, but forever. And so we can put our trust in him. So it kind of takes us full circle back to Psalm 118, uh, 8 and 9, that it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. And it's better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in even, even princes. Uh, and uh, Psalm 19 is a very interesting psalm. There's a lot of layers to it. Uh, this is a psalm that was sung during Passover each year. It was communal, and people would come together, and they would celebrate this together, that God is a refuge. He's, he's worthy of trust, uh, and, and he is who we run to in times of, of need. It mentions three times in this psalm that, that God's people were surrounded. The psalmist says, I was surrounded. And it mentions three times that the, the Lord has cut off those people. Uh, and, and so we're protected from people. And this is, uh, there's sort of like, I think part of this, that the Lord helps us in our waves. But then there's this real part of it that in real situations, when we have enemies, uh, when we have uh, hard situations and trials, that the Lord is a protector and he's a defender and he's who we should run to first. Uh, and we are protected in him. And there's a truth uh, to that. Uh, there's a psalm uh, in here, there's a verse that points back to Exodus uh, chapters 14 and 15, specifically in Moses' song, when he's rejoicing after God leads the people through the Red Sea. And you might remember that, that, that the people are done for. There's Pharaoh and the army, and, and uh, there, there's no escape, but the Lord opens up the Red Sea, and he leads his people through, closing it on their enemies behind them. And so uh, this was something that was remembered. And of course, as we think about Passover today, we remember our Passover lamb who has, has made... Um, made a way for us to come to the Lord and, and to have sins forget, uh, forgiven. And, uh, and we are protected in him today as a refuge uh, from all situations. And so, uh, so Psalm 118 is just all about the fact that the Lord, he's a refuge, he's a protector. Uh, it opens in Thanksgiving, it closes in Thanksgiving, and it's for God's people to celebrate uh, that, that we can trust the Lord together, and he's a worthy refuge. And so today, I, I don't want to convince you, I don't want to you know, try to convince you that the Lord is a refuge and he's better than other refuges, because I think most of you pr probably are there. Uh, if you're here and you've made it this far, uh, you know, uh, you're, you're probably there too, where, where the Lord is your refuge. You are more and more trying to put your, your trust in him, but I, I want to, I kind of want to talk about how we can put our trust in the Lord, and, and kind of as we look at scripture, um, and as we, uh, as we place our faith in him, we're, we're always kind of learning. We're always kind of growing. Uh, and so I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. And I just want to dive in really quickly uh, to just three ways that we can put our trust in him uh, this week. And I want to do it by looking at Peter's life a little bit. Because Peter is a walking example of what it looks like to uh, learn to trust the Lord, I think. And so let me pray for us really quick. And we're just going to dive into that. Lord, uh, we just thank you for your word. Uh, it proves true. Uh, we can trust it, and I pray that you just open our hearts, uh, our eyes, and our ears, that you'd make us sensitive to your spirit, that you'd convict our hearts, and you would help us to see the, paths, uh, to see the path forward. Uh, for whatever the trial, the situation may be uh, in our lives today, Lord, that you would help us to trust you in it. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. 
uh, well, so years ago, I, I was a youth pastor, and, uh, and there was one uh, church I was at for a few years uh, in the South, and uh, uh, so the, it's a big group, and, and the church owned three buses. Uh, the youth group owned one bus, and the preschool that was ran in the church owned two buses. Uh, the one bus that we owned was not like the other two buses. Uh, the buses that the preschool owned, there was a lot of money in the preschool, they were new, they were nice, they were like those fancy new bus engines that are like quiet, um, and uh, the air conditioning worked in those buses. Uh, the potholes didn't hurt you as bad on those buses, and then there was the youth bus that had been bought with a youth fundraiser over several years, but like 20 years ago. And that bus was not like the other buses. That bus had been through a lot, uh, long before I got there, although I suppose it didn't help matters much. But uh, it had been painted at one point. It had had decals at one point. The decals were uh, flames that went all down the bus, and then, uh, then they fell off and just didn't survive the elements, and then there were like the remnants of flames down, like you can see the outline, uh, which was classy and made me feel better about driving a 15-passenger bus. Um, and then uh, it had been wrecked at one point, and so it was affectionately called the red bumper bus because it, in fact, had a red bumper that had been replaced on it. This bus was old, and uh, there's like nice diesel engines now that don't hurt your ears and stuff like that, and this was not one of those. You could hear this bus from like five miles away. It like yelled at you uh, when you went up hills. Uh, the, the engine was like one of these uh, kind of like shorter buses, and it had sort of a van front to it. And so as you're driving, there was kind of a, like a, a bubble here, and the engine was like right by your legs. And it ran so hot that if your leg touched that bubble, it would hurt you. And it did hurt me on many occasions. Uh, if you put a binder or uh, something against it, it would melt that thing. And it actually ran so hot that it was uh, unbearably hot in the summer. So there's no way to cool it down. So uh, that was the red bumper bus. And nobody wanted to ride on that bus ever. Uh, I mean, it was like, here's who rode on that bus, uh, the youngest kids. Uh, and the kids who didn't know a lot of people in the youth group. Uh, those were the kids that usually ended up on that bus. And it was like a total pecking order thing. I probably should have done more to demonstrate um, equity, but uh, they usually it was just kind of ended up as it did. Uh, but one year, we took that bus on a mission trip, and we took a number of uh, eighth and seventh graders, and we went out to North Carolina in this, and it was sort of like a work mission trip environment. We helped do some roofing, and I think the other thing I remember doing a lot was scraping paint off a house, and as I look back years later, I don't know, it doesn't seem like a good idea, but that's what we were doing that week, and uh, I don't know if you spent much time on the East Coast, but uh, weather is a little different. Uh, rain is a little different. Seasons are a little different. And uh, we were there one afternoon, and the clouds rolled in. They rolled in fast, and we got downpoured on. I had never experienced a downpour quite like that. It was actually like being in a shower. And, uh, and I'm not exaggerating by very much at all. And so uh, we tried to get in the house, but the homeowners had left, and they had locked the house behind them. And uh, so the only place we could go out in the country in that big field was Red Bumper Bus. So we all ran into the bus, and the rain was beating down on that metal roof so hard that you couldn't hear anything. So we're yelling and screaming at each other just to talk. So we were there for, you know, 20 minutes, and the rain wasn't even starting to let, let out. And uh, that day ended up being a, a turning point uh, for that whole group. 
because uh, then we decided we would get off the bus anyway and just uh, play in the rain. And it was just, I look back at all the years of like youth stuff and that was one of the best days. It was just so fun out there. And uh, that, that trip, we were sleeping at a church, but we weren't allowed in the church till like eight o'clock at night. So we ate on that bus. We played games on that bus. We traveled around on that bus. We sought shelter on that bus. And let me tell you something. When, when we came back a week later, it was not the bus nobody wanted to be on anymore. That bus had transformed in the eyes of the kids, and, and it was a bus everybody wanted to be on. It's interesting that when you trust something and you see it come through for you, you want to go back to it. Uh, you know you can trust it, and you, and you form a relationship with it. And I think that's a little bit like, like putting our, our trust in the Lord is that he comes through. I mean, he ultimately comes through, but he comes through in each day too. And so as we look at placing our trust in the Lord, and as we look at uh, all three stories, we're going to kind of fly through these really fast, uh, but they all involve Peter, water, and Jesus. And as we look at these stories, I think what we'll find is that uh, Jesus is always demonstrating that we can trust him and we can put our trust in him. The, the first story uh, just demonstrates that we want to trust him in every area of our life. And that's a great way to trust him, is not just in the trials, but in all areas of life. That's a, that's a great way to uh, seek refuge and shelter in him every day. It's a great way to rest in the Lord every day in all areas of our life. It reminds me of a story where Peter uh, was... Um, where Jesus was teaching and the crowds were pressing in so much that he got into Peter's boat and they, they pushed out a little bit and Jesus taught. And uh, when he was done teaching, he asked Peter, you know, let, let's go out and let's, uh, let's go out to the deep and we'll fish a little bit. And, and, and Peter isn't too happy about it. Here, here, here it is. He says, uh, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. But Simon answered, master, we, we toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, I'll let down the nets. And when they had done this, uh, you know the story, uh, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. Uh, so they kind of got this overflow of fish. And you know, a few things uh, stick out. Number one is that G uh, Peter hears some instruction from Jesus. And I think uh, Peter's already been listening to Jesus. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, Peter is, is curious and I, I don't know many things, uh, but uh, he hears he hears Jesus say something. And I, I think that, that kind of uh, hit me this week that, that you and I have a way to hear his voice too because uh, he speaks to us, uh, particularly in the word. Uh, he, he speaks to us. And, but notice what happens next. Uh, and uh, there's some pushback. And there's pushback because Peter is a fisherman and he's already been there and he's tried that and he's done that. He knows there's no fish there, and in his mind, it's a waste of time to go out there. So he kind of has some pushback, maybe a little rebuke. He says, Master, we've toiled all night, but we've taken nothing. But at your word, uh, we're going to let down the nets. Reminds me of a verse in James that says, Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but do what it says. I think if we don't do what it says, we'll never find a reason to love our enemies uh, you know, as I think about seeking refuge in the Lord, I've been thinking a lot about, like, uh, are there people I need refuge from? And I was thinking, I haven't had very many enemies in my life. But then I was thinking about that more, and I, I think about some of the people I have had conflict with in my life weren't enemies. They pretended to be my friends, right? It was the things they said behind my back. It was the things they, they did. And, um, you know, and, uh, and I've been around people. If there was any way to get ahead by stepping on me, they would. I think that's a lot of people's 
work experience. Uh, it's not mine because I work here, uh, and that would be weird. Uh, but, uh, but I think for a lot of people, uh, you know, the work environment is, uh, it, it's every man for himself in a lot of ways. And I know there's just many areas uh, in that, but, but the Lord gives us direction on that. Serving one another and considering other people's needs um, uh, to be more important than ours. That's not something I think I would naturally do. That's not our hearts as people. That's not our natural instinct or, or uh, uh, serving with humility. That's not our natural posture. But the Lord's always reminding us and he's always helping us to trust him. He's always showing us a different way. And so I think, you know, we never want to be the expert. So I think about, uh, you know, Peter here, he's an expert. Uh, he's a fisherman. This is what he does. He knows there's nothing there. You know, and I think about, you know, how are we husbands and dads? And, um, you know, uh, and I think it's just, it's, it's never good to be the expert. Uh, we, we want Jesus to be the expert in every area of our life. And I think one of the things he's demonstrating to Peter is that he knows everything. And he does things in a different way. And he's not confined to the things that we are. And so, of course, what happens is as Peter obeys and as he listens to Jesus, he lets down the nets. And, of course, they enclose a large number of fish. The other boat has to come over and help bring it back. And Jesus, uh, uh, Peter is terrified. Uh, he, he doesn't want to be in the presence because he realizes that Jesus is holy and he's other. And it's, it's this event that where, where he wants to follow him with everything. He wants to leave everything behind. And there's something about everything. There's something about putting all of your trust in him in every area of your life. About giving him permission and saying, Jesus, I'll do things your way and not the way I would do them. There's something about uh, following him and obeying to him and submitting to him and yielding to him. And so, uh, so we want to do that too. We want to trust God in every, uh, every part of our life. Uh, they, they left everything and they followed him and we should too. Uh, Peter confessed, uh, he submitted, uh, he repented and, um, and he went a different way. So we trust God as a refuge in every area of our life. And, and a great way to do this is listening to his word, but also obeying it and following him. As a matter of fact, uh, and as we do that in every area of our life. Oh, here's a great, I forgot about this. Uh, this is Psalm 30, or uh, Proverbs 35, and this was a cool verse. I found it uh, the last couple of weeks. It says, every word of God proves true. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. And so, uh, so we can trust him. We, we can trust what he says, and we can trust his promises, and we can trust what he says. So, uh, so we want to trust him in all areas of our lives. Uh, number two is that we want to trust the Lord by taking steps of faith. We want to walk in faith, and we want to keep our eyes on him. That's a great way to take refuge in him is just simply to focus on him. There's a, there's a lot going on in our lives, but, but he should be our focus. He should be what comes first. It reminds me, of course, of another water story that you're probably thinking of. And, and it reminds me of what, a time when the disciples were uh, in the water in a boat and they're, they've come against some winds and it's late and there's storms and they're tired and then they see somebody walking on the water and and of course Jesus reveals uh, take heart you know don't be afraid it's it's me uh, and and so here's what happens Peter says uh, he he says if it's you command me to come to you on the water and Jesus says come so Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water and he came to Jesus 
But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him saying, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, it's funny that, that some of the, the trials and the, the waves that we go through come when we're tired. They come when we think there can't possibly be one more thing. And that's, that's when they find us. Um, and sometimes wind and waves can be frightening. You know, the fishermen, they would have known they had no business being out there. Uh, the wind could have veered them off course, uh, you know, and, uh, and then to, to go above and beyond and then to see someone walking on the water. Uh, it was fun this week just to close my eyes and try to picture that. Just to picture being in that scenario, being on that boat, and to look out there seeing somebody walking on water. Uh, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that really uh, sticks out is that, um, that Peter uh, of course, wants to just be with Jesus. And I read something a couple weeks ago. I haven't been able to get it out of my head. It's just been in my head like every day. And it's this, that, that somehow Peter realizes that he's safer with Jesus on the water in the storm than he is on the boat. I think there's a lot of us who have boats, right? And they're little wooden things that are not safe in the storm, right? I mean, to an extent they are, but they, they, they perish and they're, they're temporary, right? Uh, and, and Peter knows exactly where he's safe, and he just wants to be with Jesus. This isn't the only story where Peter just wants to be close to Jesus. And so, of course, Jesus says, come, and, and Peter gets out of the boat, and he walks on the water. Uh, and of course, you know the story that what happens is he looks at the wind, and he's afraid. And beginning to sink, he cries out, uh, Lord, save me. And I think there's a good principle here, not to look at the waves in your life, <laughs> right? There's a good principle here that, that we want to keep our eyes on Jesus and keep walking, keep moving, and keep trusting that he's, he's got you this far and he's going to get you the rest of the way too, because there's all kinds of things to look at, right? And those things can be distracting. Those things can be overwhelming. And so we keep our eyes on him, our refuge. Uh, and so, uh, and so uh, I think the last thing that sticks out is simply this. Uh, uh, that uh, Jesus says, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Peter was fine uh, the whole time. I think my favorite part of the story uh, is actually uh, kind of how things wind down. And so when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the son of God. Jesus was in control of that storm the entire time. And that is a great thing to remember. No matter how big the storm, no matter how bad the storm, no matter how many the waves, no matter how high the waves, there's never one that's too big for him. And he has all authority over the storm. And so no matter how big the storm is, no matter how dangerous things are, uh, it's Jesus who has authority. And so we want to take steps of faith. Later, or earlier we read a psalm about, you know, taste and see that the Lord is good uh, and how we're blessed when we take refuge in him. Uh, that is Psalm 34, and that is written by David. And if you read like the subscript up there, it is, uh, he's thinking, uh, it's alluding to a time where uh, Saul had turned on, on David. David was the anointed king, but Saul... Uh, was still in charge, and he turns on David, and he's, uh, you know, he's coming after David, and David knows he's not safe. He has a very powerful enemy, uh, and so he, he runs, and he runs, uh, and he ends up in Gath, 
and this is a, uh, a Philistine uh, place, and, uh, and so he is quickly found out. Uh, maybe he's thinking that he'll get some, um, you know, he'll blend in there, or like be, maybe they've forgotten who he is, but they recognize him. And so they take him to the king. I know a lot of you probably know this story. And so they, they take him uh, to the king, and, and uh, he stands before him, and they're like, isn't, isn't this David? David doesn't know what to do, and it talks about how afraid he is. So he, you remember the story? He drools in his beard, and he acts like a madman, right? And it's in this context that he's able to flee and get away with his life. But what I think is so interesting about that story is that later when he writes about it, why was he safe? Because the Lord was his refuge, because the Lord's a protector, right? Because even though he was literally surrounded by his enemies, in, in more than one way, it was the Lord that was keeping him safe. It was the Lord that he found refuge in. And David is such a good example of that. There's so many good examples. In fact, um, I was going to make note of just earlier, uh, you know, that this is sort of a, a key theme uh, in the, the Old Testament. You know, and you might think about David in the caves. Uh, you might think about Daniel before Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, you might think about uh, Joseph in Egypt or the kings who were not to make alliance with, uh, you know, foreign nations. I mean, there's just something about seeking refuge in the Lord and putting your trust in him to deliver you. And, you know, I started to just see this like everywhere in the Old Testament. I know a lot of you guys are doing like read-throughs and stuff like that this year and partnerships and stuff. Watch for this theme. You'll just start to see it everywhere that God's a defender and he's a refuge and, and we're to put all of our trust in him in every area of our life. And so, so keep taking steps of faith. Here's uh, just one last one. And this is a really short story about Peter and some water and Jesus. And uh, it's just about keeping an accurate record. Uh, just remember, uh, you know, recently I was talking with uh, some people about like how uh, I got to Gateway and how they got to Gateway and how we ended up here. And, and I was, I was kind of moved by the fact that all of us had these really amazing stories about how, like times when the Lord was directing us and he put things together and, and our steps were kind of uh, made for us. And, uh, and, and, you know, I think about people who buy their, their house. Uh, if you talk to a lot of believers about how they buy their first house, a lot of times there's stories about like, well, God, we weren't going to get the house, but then this crazy thing happened. It was like the Lord worked in our lives, or people who met their spouse, right? They married way out of their league. They're like, well, the Lord was just, you just, I must have felt bad for me or something, you know? And, and the Lord worked things out, and I put my trust in him, I put my hope in him, and look what happened. And it's so important that we keep an accurate uh, record. Uh, there's a story about, a, it's a post-resurrection appearance. So after he's been crucified, uh, the disciples are out in a boat in John chapter 21, and, uh, and they're, they're fishing, uh, and, and Peter's like all in his fishing gear, and he's, uh, he's fishing, and, uh, and then somebody comes up, and uh, you know, they have some questions about how many fish they've met, and in long story short, uh, they uh, figure out it's Jesus. And uh, so the disciple who Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and he threw himself into the sea. Some people say that Peter jumped out and he ran, and I don't buy it. I think, I think he just threw it. I think that's the thing. And uh, what's so, what I love about this is, uh, you know, I think Peter just sees somebody he knows and trusts and loves. 
And I think you just see somebody he wants to be with. And I think as we trust the Lord and we see him come through in our life and, and we witness the power of this refuge, we watch how he works things together for the good in our life. And, and as we remember those things, and as we make those things uh, a part of our lives, we keep an accurate record of who he is, how he's worked in our lives. Um, we want to be like Peter, and we want to just jump out of the boat and be where he is and get to him as fast as we can. Uh, a lot of you guys know uh, we've been working on renovating our house. Uh, I, we years ago got into a house that was built in 1930, so it's 92 years old. Uh, and... Uh, and the renovation is not like granite counters. It's like roof and, uh, you know, like floor and like structural things that are, are like such an answer to prayer. And, uh, and we've had kind of uh, many problems with water in our basement. And we fixed a lot of them. And, uh, you know, as we've been working on our house, this has been, it's always like a step forward and a step back. And then we got to wait. And a lot of things have changed in six months. Uh, that's affected uh, many projects out there. And um, anyway, long story short, remember all that rain we had last week? Well, I thought I would just stop by casually and check out the house, see how it was doing. And I found three different sources of water in the basement. And uh, I would be lying if I said, you know, I wasn't a little bit discouraged about that, you know, and so I'm crawling around with my phone, like all that I'm trying to figure out, and it's like, you know, I think there was a couple issues. One is that uh, our heater uh, had been off for like a number of months, and it was plugged in, but something didn't start quite right, and so it was leaking uh, condensation water, and just, it was a mess, and then uh, just also there was no gutters on our, we got a new roof, and there's no gutters on it yet, and so it was pooling at the lowest part of the house, and so it just there's just a puddle, uh, just a pool of water essentially, and it had started to come in through the cracks. And so, you know what was really great about that uh, when I was, you know, stopped crying. <laughs> I didn't really cry, <laughs> a little. Uh, but what was great about that is we realized there was just a couple other things we had to look at, right? Uh, and we've been waiting for drywall, we've been waiting for floor, we've been waiting for these things for a while. Uh, and uh, you know, I was just thinking, man. I'm so glad that we didn't have new floor down, right? I'm so glad we didn't have drywall up yet. That would have been a disaster. That would have been really hard. And it reminded me, and, and somebody was, that was close to me is my friend, who was saying, Scott, remember how all of this started? Remember all the things that worked together. So you, you got in this just in time, right? You found somebody just in time, right? Uh, this wouldn't even be a possibility now, right? Well, don't you think God's still in this? And that was just such a huge thing for me of like, oh, Yes, he is, and I'm so glad this didn't go any faster than it's gone because that would have been awful, right? Uh, so we keep an accurate record. He started it. He's going to finish it, you know? He started the stuff in your life, and he's going to finish it, and so we keep our eyes on him. We trust him in every situation in our life. Here's just a few extra things as we think about Psalm 118. We think about a God who is a defender and a refuge, and we can put our trust in. Uh, you know, uh, Psalm 118, it begins in thanksgiving and it ends in thanksgiving and there is something about thankfulness that reminds us who god is and what he's done and it, it gives us sort of a a purer sense of reality Here's the second one uh to be prayerful there is just something about prayer and the intimacy with god that comes through being men and women of prayer and uh and and i think it is a a very important key to seeking refuge in the lord and keeping our trust 
alive in him. Uh, here's another one uh, to be fed, uh, just to be people of the word of God, to have it in our lives. Because uh, as I was reminded this week, there are certain truths that are just everywhere. Like he's a refuge and we can trust him <laughs> and he comes through. And you know, there's just something about having that in our lives, having that in our lives daily, having more of that in our lives than other truths that are out there in the world and the many ways to get them. Uh, we need to be people that are, are fed and uh, we are, our gaze is fixed on Jesus. And just one last thing, uh, and this was a big deal for me a couple weeks ago with the rain, uh, be surrounded by people who have God as the refuge. Be surrounded with people who, who are trusting the Lord and they know your story and they're walking with you too. Uh, because, uh, you know, in, in life there's, there's a lot of refuges you can have, but there's only one refuge that is worth uh, that is worth eternity. There's only one refuge uh, that will keep you safe no matter what. There's only one refuge that truly has authority over every wave in your life, no matter how big the waves may be. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then uh, we're going to just worship a little bit, sing a song that I think we all will like. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just thank you today for your word. Thank you that you are a refuge uh, and that we can trust you. And Lord, today, I pray that you would help us to take those steps of faith. And Lord, to trust you fully. God, if we've been fixated on the waves in our lives, I pray that you would direct our eyes back on you. That you would remind us uh, that you have good in store for us. And that no matter what, Lord, we can just place our faith in you. Lord, I just thank you for your love and your faithfulness, for all of your promises. Lord, as uh, we worship you, Lord, we just do want to lift you high and just express our thanks and our adoration, Lord, for all you are for us, Lord Jesus. And we, we love you, Lord, and in your name we pray. Amen.